making, but it's finally here. You see him the beat. Welcome to Voices of UCM. I'm your host, Abram Tabor, and this week I'm joined by Dr. Jolene Watson, the Assistant Professor of the School of Industrial Science and Technology Graduate Program and Faculty Advisor for ASQ. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's a lovely day and lovely weather and lovely place to be. All right. So uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you do here at UCM. You're very involved with campus activities, whether that's ISO, ASQ, or some other three-letter acronym like many, many student activities are. The one that obviously you're most attached to and the one I said in the intro uh, is ASQ. So can you tell us a little bit about ASQ? Sure. ASQ is a global organization that focuses on quality. Um, It's not industry specific because quality is everywhere. Um, It's about reducing waste and improving processes. So if you think of uh, applications for this kind of of thought process, um, of course, manufacturing would first come to mind. And manufacturing is where it was kind of born. And that's, you know, making sure that you're not using too much materials. You're only using exactly how much materials you need, exactly how much time. But it also could be used to do things like reduce wait time in hospitals, um, make it easier for people to get from the parking lot to the front door. Anytime there's a waste or a problem in a process, you can use quality systems to improve that process. And that's what the organization strives for. Right on. And that sounds like a... it's in a lot of different places than what you mentioned, hospitals to parking lots. Uh, is that a like a global organization then? Because that sounds like it's a very big deal. It does. It, it originated in the U.S., but they're now in um, over 140 countries. Our national, our, sorry, our global leaders are from all over the world. And um, it's it's got, I can't remember how many members, but many, many, many members now. And there's different kind of subdivisions, um, such as design and construction, software, um, quality management, manufacturing, of course, aviation. Uh, there's like 30 or 40 technical communities. Um, so although it's a huge, huge kind of field, you can get uh, narrowed down into different um, technical communities to meet your needs and what you're interested in. And so one of those member schools, I guess you could say, would be UCM. How does that exactly work? Because I understand there's a professional side to it as well as a student side to it. Yes, we are a student branch. Um, ASQ has made some changes. Before, we used to just kind of be folded under ASQ Kansas City, which is a a very strong um, geographical unit for ASQ. Um, But now we're kind of... uh, Student branches are under their own organization where they're all under student branches, but we're still very closely tied to ASQ Kansas City. They help us with our um, administrative, you know, helping them administrate the club properly and things like that. Um, But we're pretty, uh, student branches are pretty, also pretty autonomous. We kind of get to make our own decisions because while we are part of ASQ, we're primarily and foremost a part of UCM. So we follow ASQ guidelines, but we are definitely a a UCM organization. And there's student branches all over the the country. 
Um, we do some collaborations with schools in Texas and schools in Missouri sometimes. And then, of course, we see lots of different branches at the World Conference when we're able to go. I understand one of those, maybe not the World Conference, but a big conference for ASQ is coming up here pretty soon. That's right. That is our conference. So even before I came to UCM 14 years ago, they started having student-led conferences here. And we're on our 14th. This is going to be the 14th Annual Quality Management Conference. And we have professionals. um, We've had professionals from all over the country come, but of course it is very closely tied to Kansas City 1301. Um, We have keynote speakers that come and talk about quality and different aspects of quality. And this time we'll have an expert panel that's going to talk about using technology to reduce wastes. So that is the theme of the conference. But the students are doing all of the administration. Um, There's also student um, presentations and poster competitions. Uh, This is very much a UCM student conference that focuses on quality and getting the word of quality out there. And of course, it's open to all students. Right so and you, faculty and everyone. <laughs> right on. And you mentioned all students. So it's not just members of ASQ. It's all students who are interested in going? Yes. This particular conference, we welcome everyone. We have faculty. Um, we just had several faculty confirmed even from the Lee Summit campus that are coming. And then students, students from any organization uh, or sorry, any department, any degree. Last time, even in the poster competition, we had some students from fashion compete because they do they do waste reduction in the most literal terms with their um, clothing recycling projects. So they presented that for the for some of the posters. So we're very open. We would definitely welcome anyone to come join. We welcome anyone to come to the conference. All they have to do is register. And um, if you register um, within the due date, you also get free lunch. Well, I know that it's a very attractive offer to many students. Free lunch is a a big grab for me in particular. So from what I understand, this conference um, was a pretty big deal and it kind of went into a lull state because of COVID. Could you tell me a little bit about how that affected? Well, unfortunately for for the entire organization, uh, for our entire student branch, it went into, uh, we had a terrible lull. So one of the most beneficial things to my particular students was the fact that they got to network and they got to go out and they got to meet people and they got to see, um, I always say they get to see these professionals in their own environment and observe them. Um, But that just, that stopped, of course, because of COVID. And ASQ as an organization was very, very cautious and, you know, we can't fault them for that. Um, But they just this past summer, started allowing their different branches and groups to have face-to-face meetings. So our ASQ Kansas City is still not meeting face-to-face. We're still meeting virtually, but we're starting to have uh, tours and things like that, and the conferences are starting to, to come online. But when you lose momentum, it is just so difficult because my students are mostly master's students. They're only here for a year and a half. So if you don't have an activity for two years, no one even knows that we don't even have a memory of what it used to be. So before this, we were incredibly active. I was able to take students and have them present their scholarly work at different ASQ conferences. Um, We would have hundreds of people coming to our ASQ conference here at UCM. Um, But now we're just going to have to rebuild from scratch with nothing but the tribal knowledge of, of me and my coworker. So it's it's been incredibly difficult to get us to get these guys the experience that I know we can give them, um, but we got to get that momentum going again. 
And you are very involved on campus, not just in ASQ. I don't want to give the impression to the listeners out there that Dr. Watson is only involved in ASQ. Uh, She's also involved with ISO, which is the International Student Organization, and several other activities on campus. Uh, Do you think it's important for um, professors to be involved with student activities in that way? Absolutely. So with the other activities like ISO and Sanskriti and and even sports and things like that, I get the luxury of just getting to go. And uh, there's there's nothing better than just going and attending a student a student activities to me, you know it's uh, being an advisor is something different because whatever happens at ASQ I'm responsible for, but when I get to go to cultural night I just get to go and sit and watch and enjoy it and um, to me that's just great and I know that I know that my students really appreciate me going because they perform I, you know I they have to hear me lecture and I grade their assignments, but then for them to do a dance performance and I watch that, it's something even more special. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, a disservice, not just to the students, but to themselves, if faculty aren't going to the, going to the events, you know, Um, go to the wrestling matches. Those are super fun. Go to soccer, soccer matches, and of course, football and basketball, but um, get the red out is coming up. We're having a booth out there for ASQ, but it's, it's nice just to be in the middle of everyone and, I don't know, I guess it keeps me young. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned a lot of different sporting activities there. Are you a big Mules fan? I am, of course. I'm a huge member of the Mule Nation. Go Mules and whatnot. Yeah. (laughs) Have you always been that way or was that a new transition when you came to the school? Uh, Well, uh, let's be honest. I had no idea that UCM existed before I got the job to come here. But (laughs) once I came here, I did fall in love. Um, uh, You cannot... You cannot say anything bad about UCM athletics. They are um, top notch, and it's always fun to watch. And all this, all the kids are very uh, into what they do, and so I really enjoy seeing seeing the athletes. And I just I, I love athletics too. But um, you know, I love watching the mule kickers and the cheerleaders in the band. And you know, anytime that students get to express their passions. I like that a lot, too. Um, sometimes I'm even sneak into some of the performances that the music department has. So um, usually I get that look at like, why is who is she and why is she here? But <laughs> um, it's you know, you get so many opportunities to just get involved on campus. And, you know, I'm an athletics person myself. That's what I understand the most. But I enjoy the other stuff, too. Right on. Well, we'll take a quick break here. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Jolene Watson. Thanks for tuning in. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm here with Dr. Jolene Watson, uh, who is the Assistant Professor of the School of Industrial Science and Technology Graduate Programs and Faculty Advisor for ASQ. We've already talked a little bit about how you're involved with student activities, especially ASQ, uh, but I want to know a little bit about your educational journey, which led you here to UCM. So when did that start? Well, sure. So um, in the fifth grade, I told my fifth grade science teacher that I wanted to teach college when I grew up. So for a very long time, I knew that I wanted to be a, a teacher. Well, if we fast forward, I went to uh, I went to at that time I lived in at that time I lived in Illinois, moved to Kentucky for high school, and then that's why you hear a little bit of the twang. I know that comes through, and then I went to um, undergrad in Tennessee. Well, right out of right out of college. Um, Instead of going and getting my master's and PhD, they had a teacher shortage. And I said, well, why don't I just go make some money and go teach high school? Well, I taught high school for two years and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was, I know, (laughs) it was torture. And I thought to myself, oh no, I don't like teaching. So I left and went to industry and I was an industry trainer. I, I was an industrial trainer for many, many years. And then I finally decided to go back and get my master's, kind of break through to the next level. And um, while I was there, I was offered a a graduate assistantship. And so, um, you know, I said, yeah, why not? And the professor said, well, you're going to have to teach. And I was like, ooh, do I have to teach? And they said, well, if you want the graduate assistantship, you're going to teach. So I taught. But it turns out I loved it. So the difference between an 18-year-old in um, high school and an 18-year-old in college was a big, big, big difference. So I taught the whole time I was doing my assistantship and I said, okay, yeah, I'm back to the fifth grade. This was the right thing to do. So my professor at at Western Kentucky University actually suggested UCM. They said, this is a program that will, it feeds well into the program I was in. And I said, well, yeah, why not? So I applied, uh, applied for a fellowship, which is just a glorified graduate assistantship for PhD level, really. And so um, I started here as a PhD fellow, and the reason I chose this university is because they were going to let me start teaching classes right away instead of just being like a a greater assistant for a professor. So um, it worked out really well. I was a fellow for just a a couple years until we had a teacher shortage. We had a a big need for more professors in our um, department, and I was able to be promoted to not a professor right away, but just an instructor, and then made my way up to professor from there. So, and now I'm super happy, super, fifth grade me was right, teaching college is where it's at. So that means that when you were on your PhD and you went straight into teaching, what was that like being a student sort of at the same time while teaching here at UCM and your PhD fellowship? Well, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, I think I connected well you know, everyone thinks they connect well. But I think I connected well with the students because I was kind of in the same boat. Now, at that time, um, my husband has, is with me now, but at that time, my husband had to keep working in Kentucky for uh, a year, year and a half. So wow. I was here all by myself, didn't have any friends, you know, that kind of thing. But I was I was older than my students, but not older by that much. So because it was a master's program, they were all well, well into their 20s. And I was barely into my 30s, not too much into my 30s. (laughs) It ended up being nice. You know, I was able to connect with them, you know, still professional, you know, teacher, teacher, student relationship. But it was it was nice to um, 
be able to connect with them, connect with the things they're interested in, get to understand what it is they want from the program. And, um, you know, a lot of them saw me more as a, as a colleague than a teacher. Now, of course, that caused its own problems, but it was also, it also had a lot of benefits. It was nice. Of course, now I can, I can tell and I can feel the difference between being Ms. Jolene and Dr. Jolene. It's a whole different world, even though this was three months ago, you know, that it completely changes the dynamic. But back then when I was just a fellow and teaching classes, it was, it was more um, on the same level. It was a, it was a great experience. Hmm. So you mentioned that your husband actually was working back at Kentucky. What was that like, the transition of him coming over here? Because from what I understand, he now works with the university as well. He does. He, um, he first, he didn't start here. He got a, he got a job, and a manufacturing job in Concordia. Um, wasn't, wasn't really a good fit for him. But um, when he was able to come work at the university, it was great because we go to the, um, you know, we'd go to football games together. We go to events together. You know, we get to... He knows all the gossip because he <laughs> he's over there in FPO, and FPO knows all the good gossip because they travel around the campus. So, um, you know, it's nice to work in the same place because we can talk to each other about work. But we're not in the same office, so we don't drive each other crazy. So it has that nice kind of balance in that his job is completely different from my job, but we're both at the same organization, and we have this kind of connection. But that um, that that year we were apart was rough. Because, you know, at that time we would have been married about 12 years, you know, wow. and hadn't really been apart. And then suddenly we had to be apart and I was driving back and forth. I was driving between here and Kentucky almost every weekend to visit him and things like that. That was, that was a rough transition. But once he got here, it's been, it's been great. So we're, we're, we're really happy here at UCM. Right on. Uh, you also mentioned that it's, uh, you said about three months. Was that when you graduated officially from your PhD? Yes, I just finished in May. Oh, congratulations. So I'm not good with math, but I think that was about three months ago, maybe six months. I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I just graduated this past, this past summer. So, um, you know, that was a great experience. It was a hard row, hard row to hoe um, to get through the PhD program, you know, for my own, my own struggles. Um, the program itself was fine, but I had my own struggles through it. Took me the full full amount allowed to finish the program, but got it done. And um, yeah, so I have I have just now been trying on this whole doctor thing, um, still getting used to it myself. And of course, um, my students are getting used to it too. Um, but I let them call me whatever they want to, because like I said, they're only here for a year and a half. Why make them adjust? So as the new ones come in, they have to call me Doctor Watson. But I'll always be, you know just ma'am or Ms. Byerline or Ms. Jolene to everyone else. <laughs> right on. Uh, do you, you mentioned feeling that difference between being Dr. Watson and Ms. Watson. What's that like, especially for somebody as involved with student activities as you are? It, it's, um, you know, I think it, it makes it, it's, it's not worse. It's not worse and it's not better, but it is completely different. Um, now there's a huge, um, it increases kind of that, idea of power, like a bigger power distance. You know, if you think about power distance in terms of like Hofstede's cultural dimensions, which I'm sure no one's really interested in, but <laughs> there's this, this instant kind of disconnect and a distance that people put between, you know, oh, 
I introduce myself as Dr. Watson and they're immediately like, oh, and they stand up a little straighter and they act a little bit different and they get a little more uncomfortable. So it takes a little while for people to realize that like, oh, she's just, she's normal. She's not, she's not here as a teacher. She's here just to participate kind of thing. So, um, but it has been something hard for me to get used to. And for, like I said, the students that know me from both kind of ways to get used to. Um, but I do, I do definitely get treated differently. Um, I would say more respect, but that's not really the right word. Formality. People treat me with more formality now. That's for sure. Are you one of those professors that, you know, now that I got the doctor, you have to put it in the email that you sent to me or do for, <laughs> what do you prefer with that? Well, I am, but the reason for that is I tell them I, I suffered for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not about the title, but I, I suffered, I, I blood, sweat, and tears for seven years. Please, please call me doctor. <laughs> it's the only thing I have to show for it. <laughs> Well, you also have some wonderful students from throughout the years. And you mentioned before in a conversation to me that you actually had quite a few of the alumni from times past come and celebrate your PhD graduation with you. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to brag, but my PhD uh, graduation party was pretty epic. <laughs> so um, I had I, I didn't rent a hall, but there's a, a restaurant downtown that let me use their space. They stayed open extra late just for, for my group, and they closed down for, for my group. And we ordered food, and we danced and did karaoke. And um, I got to see at least one student for every batch for um, the past eight years. And it was wonderful. You know, I had maybe 50 or 60 students from over the past eight years come come and celebrate with me. And it was it was one of the most memorable times, you know. I'd put it, I'd put it up there with my wedding, as far wow. as events go. It was, it was really special. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We'll be right back with more Dr. Jolene Watson right after this. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped: childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. And welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm here today with Dr. Jolene Watson. Uh, so, Dr. Watson, we've talked quite a bit about how you've been involved in various activities on campus. Now, you don't really get paid for those activities as an advisor. Why do you put so much energy into this? Well, I think that, um, you know, of course, the academic experience of school is very, very important. But I really believe that the entire experience of school has to have that extra extracurricular activity component as well. Uh, even when I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, I was in dance classes. Um, you know, don't ask me to do anything that would go badly. <laughs> but, you know, I did dance. I did sports. 
Um, you know, I, I always was in activities in addition to school. When we, when I went to high school, we were taught that to have a good resume, you had to have extracurriculars. Um, it wasn't really an option. If you wanted to set yourself apart from everyone else, you needed extracurriculars. And so, um, you know, we made sure to have good extracurricular activities for our resume. Um, I went to, I went to school myself on a scholarship. So I went for a partial, partial scholarship for softball. And that's the reason I met my husband, even though he's, he's not even from the U.S. We met in a tiny town in um, McKenzie, Tennessee, because I was there to play softball and he was there for golf and choir. So I won't say, you know, I won't say that I was um, cooler than him, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, we met and fell in love and everything, but that was all because of extracurriculars. And, you know, I've seen, you know, not only people excel because of extracurriculars, but I also saw students who would struggle who stayed in school and finished because of extracurriculars. So I think that whether it's sports or band or anything like that, it, it rounds out the experience. So I, I always tell my master's students, one of the, when they, we come to class the first day, I tell them, I say, I say, okay, you're all here in class. You're all master's students. You're all in my class. And I said, look around and look at each other. I said, you're looking at 20 to 30 faces of people who are leaving here with the exact same degree as you are. Mm. I, and, and it's important that you find ways to differentiate yourself. So, um, you know, in addition to ASQ just being an organization, you know, they have opportunity to maybe be officers or something like that. That's, that's a good enrichment experience. But I also um, help my students publish. So that's not something that's part of class. That's not something I have to do. But um, I help them either present at conferences or try to publish to peer-reviewed peer-reviewed publications. Now, the peer-reviewed publications are harder. The conferences are, are a little bit easier, but um, we get it done. And I'm average maybe three students a year being able to get them opportunities to um, go to conferences, present their projects or their work, and um, you know be listed in, in the conference. They get their conference brochure with their name on it as the speaker, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right on. And that, you know, that sets them apart. And that's the opportunity for them to really shine because you know, once you're a master's student, your GPA is important, but not so much. It's not mm. like undergrads where GPA is very important. Masters is more like you got the masters. Everyone is coming out of a master's, mostly with A's and B's because that's just the requirement of the program. You have to have a very high GPA to graduate. Right. So you're not going to set yourself apart with grades. You've got to find other ways to do it. And these extra extracurriculars are their opportunity to get that enrichment, get that connection, get that bridge between the classroom and the workplace. And that's what that brings. And it's just so important, I feel. You know, and for, for athletics, athletics taught me how to be a good loser and how to be a good winner. And they're both important. And you don't learn that in the classroom. Would you say that through COVID-19, obviously that hurt ASQ and their conferences? Have you seen problems arise from that as somebody who's so involved with activities? Have you seen that be a problem for your students that extracurriculars are were either harder to do or um, more difficult because of social distancing or things like that? Did that cause a problem over those years? Well, of course, this is anecdotal. I don't have any data to support this. So 
I know that. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, I know that. I know that sounded sounded not very um, smooth, but but seriously, the, just anecdotally, I do feel that my students that went have gone through that period where they didn't get the interaction with industry professor, professionals. I feel like they had more of a learning curve with having to deal with their work, um, because uh, especially you know I have a lot of students who. Um, come from all over the world. Right. And so these opportunities for um, meeting with industry professionals and things like ASQ were opportunities to not just learn about the industry, but learn about how industrials behave professionally. And so they, um, they missed out on that. And it's so much easier to learn how to behave in an industry, what, no matter where you're from, in an organization that it is at your first job, at your first jobs, the risks, the stakes are so high. You know, any mistake has a bigger effect. You make a mistake in a student organization. You make a mistake as a, a, a leader in a student organization. And it's, it's bad, but it's not like making a mistake in your first job. You know, it's, they really, really missed out on that kind of, that kind of bridge and that gap. And they, they found jobs and they all did fine and things like that, but it wasn't the same link right, to that kind of those experiences. And they missed out on it. They, you know, not only were they going through, we were all going through so much being isolated and all those kinds of things. But, you know, the ones that were there at the beginning of COVID, one of the things that they were looking forward to the most was to going to these conferences, was getting to go on a trip and getting to get this experience and getting to, getting to show who they were getting to show how amazing their projects were and they just didn't get the chance. Mm -hmm. So they had some online, you know, we had some online opportunities, um, but it just, it just was not the same. And I do think it affected them. I do think it was, um, it was harder for them when they had to go out and, 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 and graduate. Well, to end that on a bit of a positive note, at least, uh, things are shaping up again. It looks like campus is turning back to normal. Conferences are coming up again. When was that ASQ conference you mentioned that's coming up soon? That is on September 29th. So that's a Thursday. It starts at 8.30 in the morning. So at 8.30 in the morning, you can come and get some some coffee and some rolls, like um, cakes and snacks and things, snacks and coffee. And then um, we'll start networking and we will have some student presentations and lunch, and then some professional presentations and things like that. So it's it's a good day, and it goes from eight thirty in the morning until three thirty in the afternoon. And so opportunities like that are the ones you're saying students probably missed out on because of COVID. But fortunately, those are opening back up. What is one activity that you are like most excited to see aside from the conference in ASQ? Obviously, as an advisor, you're gonna be really excited about that, I imagine. But what is, you know, you're so involved on campus. What is one activity that you're really excited to see opening back up on campus more? Well, I can tell you I'm, I'm really excited about this Thursday um, is Get the Red Out. Absolutely. So I'm definitely coming. I believe it's Thursday. I, I don't want to misspeak. But um, the, the Get the Red Out is this week. So I'm super excited about coming to Get the Red Out, having the booth. See, I've heard that there's um, over well over 100 vendors going to have booths at this Get the Red Out. So it's going to be more like the Get the Red Out from three years ago. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. Of course, excited about the sports and everything. Um, I've just been happy 
just to see just to see people coming uh, to classes, you know, that's that seems like a small thing, but it's so nice to see um, see students in the cafeterias because I go to lunch at Ellis and um, you see people on campus walking around talking, just doing student stuff. So so all of it, I would say. <laughs> I know that's a cop out, but all of it. Yeah, I mean, I myself, I'm really excited to be face-to-face -face back with professors, back in the radio studio. I'm a big fan of that. I remember during COVID-19, I had a lot of problems because I felt like I couldn't be as involved in student activities, especially as somebody with so many projects in my major like me. That can be really hard if you're shooting a short film and can't get any actors to go act on set because they're afraid of catching a virus. And so it was really tough for project creation, for getting involved, but things are opening back up and I'm really excited to see students and professors like yourself just getting involved back on campus again. And I, I just absolutely adore that. Anything else you'd like to add today? Well, I just, I just really appreciate all the listeners out there wanting to, if you got this far listening to my story, I definitely appreciate that. And uh, I'm glad you gave me this chance and it's very nice to be face to face with you. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> in a studio talking. So um, just, you know, you guys, we've got the opportunity to be out here and be together anytime you get the chance to take advantage of it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled, and we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM, with campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu.